the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky team, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to part two of this week's edition of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program. Joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes our regulars on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Paul, welcome back. Always good to be here. On the right, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. Henry, welcome back. Great show, Tom. And joining us this week, um, we have Politico Emeritus Woodrow Stanley Wood. It's always a pleasure to have you with us. Welcome back. Hey, hey, I'm glad to be here, man. Uh, Moving on to uh, some... Well, moving to Lansing, Michigan's bond rating is not likely to suffer even if the state borrows all $600 million needed to settle civil lawsuits tied to the Flint water crisis, according to a credit rating agency. Fitch Ratings made the comment in a new report assigning a double-A rating to general obligation bonds the state is expected to issue this week for another purpose, environmental programs. The report reflects Fitch's expectations for solid economic performance over the long term, low direct liabilities for debt and retirement obligations, and a conservative approach to fiscal management by the state. It also acknowledges the potential need for the state to borrow further if the water crisis settlement proposed by the state is approved by a federal judge later this year, but says the deal should not be seen as a financial problem as much as the possible resolution of a bigger future liability. Is this good news for Michigan's finances? Uh, There are issues that I don't understand about it. It can't be. It's got to be both good and bad. Somewhere in there, there's some bad news in there. I mean, there's financial issues, but it's nice to see the borrowing agencies at least give us the give us the okay for now the, the, <laughs> the credit, the okay for now that we yeah. things look good enough to to give us the top rating. And that's what yeah, we want to hear. I, that's what that's the direction we want to yeah. go as well. Well, and and I I agree that anytime, and this is you know whether I was at the state, county, or or the city, anytime the borrowing agency, and these are the folks who. You know, who basically 
are now the average member of the public may not I, I would say you you know you have to be in that one percent that's paying close attention to this kind of news but the folks who uh really co control your heartbeat they pay attention and you want to hear uh, the the you know <laughs> the good news uh sign on occasion like this so i, I can tell you this is good news <laughs> you don't have to say oh well mate but no it's good news it's, it's but like you don't dare you don't you don't dare show the voting public bad news they will vote against you but, but during so, tough times like this, it's really very, very yeah. gratifying to see the good news. Yeah, you want to yeah, see some good news. It, you know, there's some serious financial concerns out there, but yeah, at least yeah. there's confidence the state can handle them. Right. And that's, yeah. that's, that's the good news. Well, in related news, the Whitmer administration and Republican leaders in the legislature have reached an agreement on spending targets for the 2021 budget officials announced Monday. The agreement ensures there will be no cuts to K-12 spending or revenue sharing for local governments, according to Senator Jim Stamos, a Republican from Midland, chairman of the Senate Appropriations Committee. Representative, That's good news. Representative Shane Hernandez, a Republican for, from uh, Port Huron, chairman of the House Appropriations Committee, and State Budget Director Chris Cobb. Many details have not yet been released. The 2021 budget year begins October 1st. Officials had been forecasting a deficit of more than $3 billion for 2021, but that estimate was reduced to considerably less than $1 billion after state revenues came in higher than <laughs> expected despite the coronavirus pandemic, and there was a surplus of federal relief money to balance the 2020 budget that allowed revenues to be shifted to 2021. Committees will now work on the budgets in detail with final legislative action expected next week, officials said. Has the COVID-19 crisis impacted budget negotiations between the governor and the legislature? Are they getting along better? Uh, well, yeah, my, uh, my point here, Council, uh, uh, Mr. Woodrow Stanley is that I really appreciate having the Republicans and the Democrats work together on these budget issues because they will go nowhere unless they find a way to work on these. When Jim Stamos came out and said, well, this looks like it's going to be a positive outcome, I thought that that was really helpful yeah. and indicated that both sides are striving to work to. They had to overcome $600 million just to stay stable in the K-12 public education system, not to say anything about advanced education through colleges and universities, but that's a good sign. And I, and I yeah. think that <clears throat> the governor is a kind of a winner here because COVID, she had shut down the businesses here and there. She stagnated it, and out comes this determination that we're, okay, folks, we're still pretty good. Well, we're it seemed like the sense of crisis brought people together in a way that rather has rather rarely happened in recent decades. So, it's, I mean, it may not last very long, and it's not, like I said, yeah. even then there's, there's friction. But all in all, I was I was impressed to see how the two the two sides came together in a way they had not for so many other issues. I, I yeah, would, I education was that, badly needed. I would just say say this that that when folks are sick, I mean critically sick and dying all around you, 
political squabbles seem almost like child's play because there's yeah. something bigger happening all around you. And you can't argue with uh, this person, you know, thousands of our citizens are dead. You can't argue about that. You can't argue about that. Yeah, know, there's nothing uh, partisan about uh, about this <laughs> right, pandemic right. at all. Right, right. So I think, I think to your question, Tom, that it does have a tendency to make you go higher in terms of, you know, trying to reach for, you know, that there, there, there's disagreement built into the system. That, that's inevitable. But the usual bickering, eh, you, I think you're trying to avoid that because you, you look so small when you do it. Well, and a, a lot of people yeah. don't realize, um, and, and th this is great that, that, you know, the legislature and the governor have come together over the, over the budget, or at least uh, the major points of the budget. I'm sure there'll be some wrangling down through the various line items. But the, the thing that people don't realize very often about budgets is that the budget essentially becomes the state's business plan. That's right. Right. Yeah. Because without the money, none of those projects can happen. So, in essence, as you approve a budget, you're approving plans. And you're setting priorities. Right. Exactly. That, which is, that is, and, and if I could just say again what you said, Tom and Paul, but you used the word priorities. That, that's what I always say to folks is the budget, people, you know, they get hung up on the numbers, but really, what is the budget? is a set of priorities. That's all it is. You want to find out what the priorities are? Find out where I'm putting my money. Period. Whether it's a household budget, city budget, state, or national budget. Priorities. Yeah, that's what that's that's what budgets should be. They should be the priority. You can't do everything. You have to cut down the things that are essential. And I thought the governor did pretty well with that when she talked about essential businesses and non-essentials and try to keep those uh, moving. Go ahead. Do you think that the fact the governor had had previous legislative experience played a role compared to the last two pre two governors we've had? Absolutely. The fact Absolutely. that she was in the legislature? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Enough said. I mean, yeah. I absolutely agree. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, John, Engler was, uh, John Engler was in the legislature. Yeah, and, and yeah. again, back to uh, Paul's point. If John Engler was in the legislature, and he understood inside and out how the legislature works. Gretchen does yeah. as well. Snyder well, didn't. Yeah. Well, Never I'm not did. so sure. I'm not so sure no, that that was essential. Uh, Snyder's, uh, he ran on balancing the budget. And he, did he, was, he was a numbers guy. He was a numbers cruncher, but, yeah. but not he much of a exactly. political operative. And I say that uh, in a political sense. You, you need to be and Snyder knew one thing, that you can't do everything for everybody who asks for everything or demand it. That's a leader. You, you know, I, I think Rick Snyder what? did accomplish exactly what he set out to do. He was a numbers guy, and he wanted to, to adjust how the state of Michigan did its budget and he actually yeah. did that but i think it yeah that much he did but i think yeah, it did. cost yeah. him a lot along the way yeah right yeah i think uh the the managers that were hired uh cost them and that that's too bad and well, they accepted I mean, no responsibility when you go to the flint water crisis i mean it was a matter of trying to save 
to to uh, to save a nickel, we 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 in effect caused the water crisis. We a few hundred dollars a day could have avoided so much of that. Well, well I think the, that is part of the governor's responsibilities. Like yeah. cities can't can't uh, uh, rule themselves, they can't defend themselves, and they can't defend the people from the issues, the devastation of the issues that that caused by the lack of money or the lack of leadership. The governor must step in, and otherwise, cities need to take care of their own business. But when they can't, they have to go other places. That's required by law, the Constitution. Michigan senators so, approved a bill Tuesday that, if enacted into law, will allow clerks to begin processing absentee ballots earlier, likely cutting down on the amount of time needed to provide a final vote tally after the general election in November. Even with this change, however, Michigan elect- elections experts anticipate it still may take days to tabulate the millions of absentee ballots expected to be cast this year. The measure, Senate Bill 757, allows clerks to start processing Processing absentee ballots the day before the election, State Senator Ruth Johnson, a Holly Republican and former Secretary of State, sponsored the bill. The measure passed by a 34-2 vote with no discussion. The bill does not allow clerks to start counting absentee ballots. Rather, the bill allows clerks to remove absentee ballots from their outer envelopes and start so- sorting them for counting on Election Day. The ballots need to remain in their secrecy sleeves until the morning of Election Day. If a ballot is not included in a secrecy sleeve, the bill allows clerks to place these ballots in a sleeve. Does the handling of ballots need to be completely overhauled in light of the new normal of mail-in voting? Well, I think some of the suggestions that are that have been proposed by some of by a couple of the laws out there already are a step in the right direction. I mean, it's nice to have the results by 11 o'clock news on election night, but there's really no reason why we couldn't streamline that streamline that to really both both make sure the counting goes quicker and also to make sure that the, uh, the election workers aren't uh, trying to count the votes when they've been up for you know 20 hours straight uh, working through the polls and exhausted. Uh, so I think there are ways to make it both more accurate and and more efficient in many ways, and and it wouldn't it wouldn't wouldn't really be a, a radical change in, in running an election. It just makes it a bit more efficient. I would I would agree, and I I, I would also point out this is something that is, there's a lot of hype about the fact that all of the votes aren't counted on election day. All of the votes have never been. In a lot of instances, I mean, in terms of the final tally, <laughs> you know, there's always, you know, the fact that you've been had the final tally. And in this instance, it, you know, my, my fear is that it may go a little bit longer. But um, even with the system as it is, I think the, the nuts and bolts of the system are strong enough to make sure that there's still integrity in the process. Mm-hmm. What, what, what Donald Trump is selling is absolute BS. You know, the, the system, as Paul has alluded to, does need some updating. I absolutely agree with that. Well, but we have there, to... There's there, there not a 12-alarm fire. Well, we have to we have to put a comma there, Wood, because we're uh, headed into break. But we'll have more armchair politics after we uh, let our broadcast partner squeeze a few words in. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner.
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us, at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Hope back once again to tell you it's better to have Pepsodent flowing over your teeth now than to have water running under your bridge later. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. The Tom Sumner Program.com 
Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. Uh, Armchair Politics continues now with uh, our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Woodrow Stanley. Welcome back, everybody. Good to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let's see, where do we uh, we leave off? Um, oh, this will be uh, an interesting one. Michiganders would not be able to go to court to force the release of legislative records under the proposed Legislative Open Records Act, as they can do under Michigan's Freedom of Information Act. The lack of legislative review, which would only apply to public records sought from the legislature, is one of the quirks of a package of bills intended to expand FOIA to both the legislature and the governor's office. The bills, which have stalled in the state Senate for years, were taken up Tuesday by the Senate Oversight Committee amid new optimism that they could become law this year. Michigan is one of only two states where neither the legislature nor the governor's office is subject to open record laws. Michigan has been ranked last or nearly last in assessments of state transparency and ethics laws. Is the legislature trying to preserve its lack of transparency while appearing to be more open? Well, that's the only place they can... Yeah, well, maybe we want to keep our last place ranking. I don't know. (laughs) Kind of throwing the governor's office under the bus, aren't they? Right. (laughs) Seems like a, 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 a an attempt at a dubious uh, kind of, of ranking, if if in fact that's the that's the um, the intent. But I, you know, I, I can't think of why we wouldn't want to uh, have. Uh, th- th- remember, this is commonly called the sunshine uh, law right. yeah. and the like. Yeah. So why wouldn't we want the sunshine to uh, be allowed into all of the? parts of of government. It's interesting that most people who run for the legislature, whether the Senate or the House, will run on the fact that they will bring transparency to the legislature. They will bring transparency to the districts. But once they get there, they don't seem to be able to work with those issues. And people back home in their respective uh, districts need to hold these people accountable and throw them out if they're not doing it. That's the only way you can solve that problem. Otherwise, they're going to circle it forever in mysticism. It's really a rare and dubious distinction to, to finish last, as, as we apparently have. And, I, and I've heard that for years, that we've, in terms of transparency, Michigan has been ranked either last or next to last on that issue. Well, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer faced with lawsuits challenging her use of emergency powers to fight the coronavirus could continue to prevail in court, but she may be unable to stop a Republican maneuver that would rescind a 75-year-old law that has enabled her to issue and lift COVID-19 restrictions unilaterally. A ballot drive said Friday it was in the home stretch after collecting more than 400,000 signatures in just two months. Its goal is 500,000 if at least 340,000 signatures are deemed valid by the state elections board. The GOP-controlled legislature would likely repeal the 1945 law rather than let it go to a 2022 ballot. 
or public vote, um, the uh, Democratic governor could not veto the initiated bill. A 1976 law, which requires legislative approval to extend a state of emergency, would remain intact. Um, do you think the 1945 law granting emergency powers to the governor is on its way out? Sounds like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's looking that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Th I don't think you have to be, um, you know, uh, a card counter in in Las Vegas to uh, predict the the outcome of this one. It it looks as if uh, yeah. You say I if I was making a bet, I'd, I'd I'd bet it's yeah, on its yeah. way out. But but you know, I would just say say this that um, uh, it's interesting that a lot of this doesn't really have anything to do with good government and so forth. It just has to do with scoring political points, and I, and I, I just. Just as a, uh, another example uh, of uh, folks who said, who told us, term limits are the best thing since the um, yeah. uh, invention yeah. of, uh, pas of pasteurization of uh, <laughs> <laughs> milk. milk. <laughs> right, and then, right. And then, and then everybody just about who supported and led the drive for, for term limits has recanted their earlier position. Now they have at least. So, I, I sometimes you have to take a second look at these things that get great traction. They look like they're really great on its face, but it, you can't test run it in real time in terms of you know real legislation, real process until you enact it. So yeah, they need to leave that kind of stuff to the electorate. Uh, because it's self-fulfilling for themselves. And besides, I was never for term limits. You know, sometimes a great bumper sense. sticker doesn't always make great public policy. It's easy, <laughs> yeah. to, <laughs> easy to boil something down to a bumper sticker, but that may not be the, the wisest move. Henry, you know, I would, I would just, in terms of leading it to the public, I can tell you this, and you, you've heard this as a long-term public official. I've heard the public say to me more times than I can remember. When I've asked their opinion. You know what I've heard frequently? What? That's what I elected you for. <laughs> so yeah, I but... asked, well, what's your opinion on this? No, I elected you to give me some advice on what my opinion should be on this. So Yeah, but, it, but those... We, we uh... do, we, 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 well, hold on just a second. We do want public input and uh, the public's opinion, but if the public will frequently give you opinions that aren't well thought out because they have not done the kind of research and been mm -hmm. exposed to the information that you've been opposed. So they want some but, guidance. Yeah. No, but that's, that's, that's why the framers said that the people who govern a country must be well-educated, must be forthright, must be successful in their endeavors, whatever they take out to do with uh, life profession and stuff like that. They had not factored in people that don't think about these things, people that are not engaged, people who don't want to be engaged, people who don't think they have the capacity to be engaged. Let the people who have that, who feel confident about that kind of uh, authority granted to them by the Constitution exercise it. Our country will still move on. Yeah, I think uh, in some cases you can lead the public to issues, but you can't make them think. 
House House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said Tuesday that she wants the House to remain in session until congressional leaders can reach a coronavirus stimulus deal, even as rank-and-file efforts to jar loose negotiations that have been at a stalemate for more than a month were quickly shot down. Pelosi and other Democratic leaders initially appeared to indicate the House was poised to scrap some of its pre-election recess planned for October if needed. But House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer told reporters later Tuesday that the situation wouldn't be much different than what the House has done throughout August. Members will be able to go home to their districts, he said, while Democratic leaders will carry on negotiations. Members will receive 24 hours' notice to get to Washington for votes if a deal is reached. The reality at the moment, members on both sides of the Capitol say, is that the two sides are no closer to an agreement. What are the chances they come to an agreement before the election? (laughs) I think it's a great, uh, an exceptional talking point for the speaker. I mean, just just an absolutely uh, great talking point. Not 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 a practical strategy, but a great talking point. Well, it makes her look like she's staying there to work on it, and everybody else is bugging out. You got it. Great talking point. And and that will uh, also uh, be in her favor to be reelected speaker again. And it'll play a role in the in the November election potentially. You don't want to. You don't want to blame for the one who sunk the issue. Right. Yeah. Well, this is uh, kind of an interesting one that I came across. The magazine Scientific American announced Tuesday that it was endorsing former Vice President and Democratic candidate Joe Biden, the publication's first er, endorsement in its 175-year history, over President Donald Trump, who it criticized for dismissing science. Scientific American's editor-in-chief, Laura Helmuth, told CNN on Tuesday that the editorial board felt a responsibility to make an endorsement in this election and use what reputation we have to help people understand that this is the most important election of our lifetimes. Does this endorsement raise the importance of science in the upcoming election, or, or is it like other endorsements, just looks good on a flyer? I'm going to say I hope so, but I think realistically it's probably not going to be yeah. much in terms of votes. Uh, it, well, it's you know, I'll just say well, it's you know, for the first time for the first time they've done this. I mean, it's not exactly a magazine that it that goes out there and does a lot of political stuff anyhow. But it's, it's a yeah, unique right. story. But I don't think it's going to mean an awful lot in terms of the final final vote count, one way or the other. I'm with you, Paul. Yeah. But see. Just because a a magazine endorses a person in the United States for president, does not that that does not mean any political collusion or anything like that. That means a choice, a preference of those people who live in their land, who can think what they want to, act the way they want to, and make assertions that may not be the best in the minds of Americans. So I don't see this as a political issue at all. But, Except but if they're buying this. up, if they're buying up uh, influence in America through that, through other kind of uh, schemes and plots by using Scientific American, I would object. But I don't see that not, as 
think think about this. The 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 narrative has already been put in concrete that that Trump is a Neanderthal when it comes to uh, his position on science. So here's a here's a here's a, a news organization uh, or an organization rather that's been in place and they've been publishing for 175 years. They never made an endorsement in the presidential election, and they make one now. I think this is a great, I don't think it moves the needle, but I think it's a great point to be made during the debate. Mm-hmm. I just think, and, and so look for that. It, it, you know, it, it, the narrative on the, on Trump as a Neanderthal on science is already, that's in concrete. This is a great but, debate but, the opportunity. But you're jumping on Trump. Trump is not the only kind of person that don't he's, believe he's, much in science. There are people, I, I submit to you. Is he a Neanderthal on science? I can't say that, you know, I can't say that. I can't say that because I don't know whether he's a Neanderthal. No, I, I won't go there. I won't go there. Let, let me program. finish my point. Before we end the program, is he a Neanderthal on science? No, I, there are many people that don't believe that we've gone to the moon. They don't believe it. Is he a Neanderthal? No, I would say that he may be politically uh, using that, uh, but the man is a smart man. He's not. He's not that uncouth or uncultivated. The man is brilliant. But just because he uses that as a political well, 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 let problem. me ask. You, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question that that you can't answer because you can't answer that one. Uh, so, no, are I can't. you a Neanderthal on science? No, not by a long shot, because I believe oh, okay. in global right. warming, right. among right. other I things. Just, I, just, I believe well, I in the eight principles of living things. I knew and I knew I would living. eventually come across something the two of you would disagree <laughs> about. And, and let me you let me just about the, let me add. You see the, the statements about the exploding trees the other day. Yeah, let me let me uh, <laughs> let me add this to the mix. As wildfires swept across the West, causing dozens of deaths, destroying property, and polluting the air with smoke, Trump abruptly shot down an official who warned that climate change was fueling the flames by saying the weather would soon start getting cooler. Even by his own standards, it was one of the president's most shocking comments on global warming, which he, was, uh, which he has previously referred to as a hoax. Is the president the best person to teach Californians about wildfires? No. <laughs> As I say, the um, no. statement about exploding trees and uh, the, the idea and there are a lot of scientists. And Paul, as you know, there are a lot of scientists who have joined the argument that war, a global warming does not uh, does not exist. These are scientists from the best minds in the world. Let me me inject something there. I think think most scientists have come to the (laughs) realization that that climate change exists. I think the debate still remains. I, I think you're right. I think the debate still remains over to what degree it's man made. Okay. Man made me mean by uh, the expulsion of the carbon footprint and all of that. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I think there's yeah, still an argument still about that. But I, I would submit that, that we need to take the politics out of it. We can't have this that's notion. My, yeah, that, unfortunately that's the case. Yeah. Where we have believers and non-believers and, and get on the same page. Because we can put the, you know, how much does man play a role in this aside 
and and decide rather how much of a role does man play in fixing it yeah yeah what what we try to measure right now is immediate changes and climate change it, it takes thousands and thousands of years for things to change to go to the monolithic pace the paragraphic and all of those ages where things tremendously change and life forms disappear and re-involve stuff like that. So we can't always answer those kind of questions with uh, our observation of the present. And this is what people are saying. Is they, they'll say, well, the, the, the climate is changing uh, because of um, <clears throat> uh, the distance from the sun or sunspots or whatever they, they may use as, a, as an argument. Or the various the uh, of fossil fuels. various so, phases of heating and cooling yeah. of the Earth's core. Yeah. Um, there, yeah. there are a lot of things that roll into it, and it may in fact be cyclical for the planet. Um, but, but what do we do about it? You know, how do how do we address it, or do we just accept another age of in- extinction? And getting back to Woodrow's question about the Neanderthal is somebody who doesn't believe science or disregards science, whether they're the president or not, a Neanderthal. Okay. I'll go with that. Would I, I'll bring no, no, that no, 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 no. part of the no, argument no, based no. upon you, that. You want, no, no. Well, Wood that wants Henry to call Trump a Neanderthal. <laughs> I was going to say that. That may be an but, insult. But, but, but to call the man a Neanderthal <laughs> as a human being, no, I can't do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not calling him a Neanderthal personally. I'm saying, is he a Neanderthal when he comes what to What is that? Position? Now listen to your question. Listen to your question. And ask that to the people who are listening to the show. Well, hey, look. I mean, I will if I if I run into some of them in the market or whatever. <laughs> and they, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I do, I do. And let me tell you, Henry, you know what they, uh, I, I, and I'm telling you, these are folks who obviously um, are more pro-Woodrow than they are pro-Henry. But they always say, yes, yeah. we, we love the way you, you, uh, they don't really know who you are, Henry, but they say, we love the way you sandpaper. Now, this is their words. We love the way you sandpaper that, that other guy on the program. <laughs> and they, they, they say, and Henry, they say, sandpaper your ASS. That's what they generally say. You know, oh, I mean, well, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's a term be- that they use. So, well, they can do I, that. I'm, but we don't, we don't set on the same plane. So we're, we're set on different planes. Well, as the, we look at things differently. As as the moderator, uh, I, I feel obliged to any potential Neanderthal <laughs> listeners to um, say that uh, Neanderthals, when they existed all that uh, time ago, uh, may not have been up on contemporary science, but they accomplished a great deal. And, Thanks yeah, for like tuning said, in. Yeah, like I said, this may be an insult to Neanderthals. <laughs> they they did accomplish a fair amount, given their time. Let, let me try and squeeze one more in before we go to oh. the X-Files. And this, in this, uh, you know, for some people may be an X-File. 
But China, Iran, and Russia have dismissed allegations that all three countries have mounted hacking attempts on organizations involved in the 2020 U.S. presidential election. Technology giant Microsoft said Thursday that hackers from each of the nations were trying to break into U.S. political campaigns. Microsoft's findings are consistent with warnings from the U.S. intelligence community. Top U.S. cybersecurity officials acknowledge that Microsoft detected attempts to compromise email accounts of people and organizations associated with the presidential race, but have told CNN that there is no evidence election systems were affected. All three nations deny the allegations. Do you believe these countries are attempting to affect the U.S. presidential election? Oh, may I say this first? Um, Sure. This is not new to me. It's not new to 99% of the American people. They always did it, and we do it too. Guys, don't try to whitewash this. It's well, it's it's always I, been it, here. And what what do you think the the anger of Antifa and Black well, Lives you've, Matter? Well, you've made that argument before, from? Henry. And you know, my my question would be: Does that mean we don't try to stop them from doing it? No, no, mm-hmm. uh, you're right. We must do that. Whatever it takes, we must do it to and protect, as Woodrow has said, the institution. There's a distinction between the attempts and how successful you are. I mean, some m- many countries may try in a half-hearted sort of way. Others may be much more serious and devote enormous resources to it. So, I mean, it's kind of a dangerous thing to lump all countries that are attempting it in the same category. Some of them are, do, are doing an awful lot, like Russia especially. Others, you know, they're, well, they're taking a shot, but maybe far less serious and less intense about the whole process. A thorough reading of the Mueller report would... Uh, uh, indicate that that the real concern isn't in the hacking of emails of persons or organizations it's in the um, uh, manipulation of of public information sites like facebook and twitter and that sort of thing and and actually um lobbying efforts by these countries um, and and very often uh, and mostly surreptitiously to influence how people uh, feel about candidates and and issues. Yeah, yeah. That's Tom. That's, Tom I think I think I think that you're 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 right on point. That when you weaken the system, and this is where the the question you raise is, or whoever raises about, so is it our obligation? to try and fortify the system so that we can ward off those attempts. And I'd say absolutely that's that's the point. Because you may not be successful in the, two, the 2020 cycle, but you come back because you, you mix some, some marks and, and, and you find some entry points. In 2024, you try again, you say, oh, we use, so absolutely, we, when we have to make sure the system is strong, that it can ward off. Uh, these attempts, and we should be. You will remember, it. you will remember uh, several years ago when Mrs. Uh, the the uh, leader of Germany accused President Bush, I think it was Bush too, of uh, tampering with uh, information coming out of Germany. Do you remember that? 
Does anybody remember that? I, I, I vaguely. We had vaguely. to apologize. Yes, vaguely. Yeah. But unfortunately, yeah, I have to put a comma that there. We were doing the same thing. Thank you. Uh, unfortunately, I have to put a comma here because we have another break. Mm-hmm. But it's good for me because when we come back, we go to my favorite part, the X-Files. <laughs> hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. They say singing can help you remember things, so here's some tips for parents out there during these tough times. Number one. Make sure your kids wash their hands for 20 seconds after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside. Two. Virtual playdates, social and physical distancing can help save lives. Three. Tell them they're safe and show your love and pride. Yes, we'll get through this together. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us, at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, 
table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. May cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone... I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. In the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the uh, final segment of today's edition of Armchair Politics, which is, as regular listeners know, always the X-Files, those weird and wacky stories that um, sound made up, but they're not. (laughs) Um, A portable toilet in Albuquerque fell victim to another kind of whiff this week after strong winds gave it a trip along Route 66. A virtual video showed the porta potty rolling down a busy intersection of the mother road as curious motorists looked on. Severe gusts appeared to have dislodged the mobile toilet and forced it down a journey through a road that once connected Chicago to Los Angeles. Several motorists and passengers (laughs) caught footage of the traveling portable toilet. Some social media users posted videos of the traveling porta potty to the song Dust in the Wind by Kansas. No injuries were reported and it was unclear if anyone was inside. Wouldn't it have been better to set these videos to Nat King Cole singing Route 66. Yeah, I get your question. Nat King Cole had a way you never imagined. <laughs> Nat yeah. King Cole had a favorable uh, bet on Route 66, yeah. uh, so that wouldn't be appropriate. But what would be appropriate was would be that many people in the West thought that the blight was coming out of Chicago for many years. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> While police in Maryland investigating reports of a casket photographed bobbing up and down in a river discovered the object was something far less macabre. A post to a local radio station's Facebook page Tuesday showed a rectangular object with flat sides and a curved top floating in the South River, a tributary of the Chesapeake Bay uh, near Annapolis. The concrete slab resembling a coffin sparked complaints of a possible hazard in the water. The Capitol Gazette, uh, this is all according to the Capitol Gazette, uh, Department of Natural Resources police were dispatched to the river where a hydrographic operations team helped pull what turned out to be a floating dock from the water, according to the agency. Did you know the DNR had police? No, I did not. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, we do. We do. They 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 do have to have fleas uh, just to prevent poaching and devastation of the waterways and stuff like that. Yeah, I just never never heard them that. referred to as the DNR police. That was well, they have DNR officers, you know. Sure. That, and yeah. They have. Yeah, I've heard uh, that term. Yeah. Well, you know, I thought be in this casket was maybe it was Captain. Um, uh, who was set afloat in the Chesapeake Bay in uh, 200 years ago? Jimmy Hoffa. What's his name? No. No, this was... One of the rivers is named after him as well. But I can't think of his name right now. Thank you. Just go ahead. I'll think of it later. All right. Um, a sheriff's deputy in Georgia had a run-in with the baddest of the bad last week when she returned to her cruiser to find a goat had taken over. This is a second goat story we've had in a couple of weeks. Uh, the Douglas County Sheriff's Office said the unnamed deputy was serving civil papers at a home during the encounter. She typically leaves her car door open as she's had to retreat from vicious dogs in the past. Never once did she expect or even consider what was about to happen <laughs> this day. Footage from the Harry situation showed the goat in the front seat and was busily eating the deputy's paperwork. Then, af- <laughs> <laughs> then after leaving the vehicle, um, let's see, I lost my place here. Um, after leaving the vehicle with a mouthful of delicious papers, the goat delivered a headbutt to the deputy's knees, knocking her down <laughs> before hoofing it from the scene of the crime. Even though she was knocked to the ground, she was not physically harmed in the incident, the department wrote. At the end of the day, we all got a little laugh out of it, and we hope you do as well. Do you suppose this deputy told her commander that a goat ate my homework? Yeah, yeah. Is, uh, well, is, the, is the judge going to buy the excuse that the goat ate the subpoena? <laughs> no, that would not be the newest. That would not be a new excuse. That's been used many, many times by the K-12 kids. <laughs> I once had to fill out some forms for uh, my daughter when she was in school, and the person I had to turn the, uh, the, the form into... Um, was a former classmate of mine and um, our our dog actually ate it <laughs> and I had to go to a former classmate oh, no. and tell her my dog ate my homework <laughs> <laughs> what was the response you got <laughs> uh, uh, she she said you know doesn't work anymore now than it did back yeah, then likely yeah, still, right? yeah 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 Anyway, that uh, that wraps it up for today's edition of uh, Armchair Politics. But we have, well, we have about three or four minutes left in the show. If anybody has any uh, comments or anything that we didn't touch on, um, I, w- I want to leave this with Woodrow Stanley. Uh, oh, oh, Woodrow, boy, you do. you make Woodrow, you make me better. Thank you. I am inspired well, by the positions you take, and I don't at all feel indignified by them. Well, but they, they make great you. comments I, I, for me. Thank you. It, that's mutual. And, and let me just say this real quick. Uh, I said months ago, maybe years ago now, that what folks 
feared most about Trump or the Trump uh, tenure was not his, you know, bombast kind of attitude, but his assault on political norms. And I was, I didn't, I I read that in the New York Times, and now I know exactly what they were writing because it's come to be. That's true. Every, every, so many details. I mean, the, the, the Republican convention, so many things that we just come to assume as normal have been thrown by the, by the wayside. And the danger is that when, when Trump is gone, will we return to the normal, or are we, we going to end you. up living Thank like you. this in the future? Well, then the American people will deserve exactly what they get, because they should know what is right, what's wrong, and what, how we ought to live. Civility should be first well i think what what has happened and um and we'll we'll just kind of end on this note is that um that the people who support donald trump and i do don't agree with the old norms and the reason his support remains so strong is that they don't feel he's tearing down traditions they feel that he really is in fact uh, disrupting a system that was broken and 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 I think that's one of the reasons why they stay so dedicated to him even when he apparently does things that you know would chase people away um, he, he keeps holding on to that support and and I think anybody that's uh, selling him out in this campaign is uh, you know, maybe calling it too soon. I, I, this one's going to go right down to the wire. If I could just add this, I believe that the this country is yet to become the country that Americans want it to become. We've got to thank President Trump for making our economy the strongest in the world, keeping the border secure, and our military strong and persistent standings on China, and encourage we always put America first by bringing back the businesses and so on and so forth. And we will get past this. This is kind of a, these are rough waters we're going through, but we will we'll be able to restabilize. Our black Americans will be treated like all other members of the nation. And that's what I'm needed voting, to happen. I'm, I'm, I'm voting for Tom to go into overtime. Go right, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I, I wish I could, but we're just about out of time, and I want to say thank you to Woodrow Stanley Wood. Thank it's you. always a pleasure when you're here. Thank you, um, Wood. Thank you, my Thanks, friend. Henry Hatter, thank it's you. always a, an thank honor you. and privilege to have you. Paul, thank you, Henry. I, I appreciate you. your contributions. Paul Rosicki, Henry Hatter, Woodrow Stanley, um, you're what make this show uh really exciting to to do and to listen to every Wednesday and um, let me let me just uh, close with this Um, you know Henry and Woodrow got along so much today I thought we were maybe seeing the beginnings of uh, a real sea change in the divisive nature of American politics today may may others we both see the we both see a new country on the horizon. May others so follow your lead. Anyway, that's Smoking George uh, tickling the ivories there. Let me know it's time to head down the hall to the, uh, to the living room, but I'll be back tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock with another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. Good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. 
we want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.